restitution is finished. But if a super-duper big tragedy happens, this entire document goes out the window. Said no founding father ever. The Kate Daly Show starts now. want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. The, the way we're going to win over the long term is not just militarily. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, uh, world order. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. After 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, and instead it looks like we got a lot of disorder. It's more telling than you think. In that clip, did you hear President uh, George uh, Bush, George H. W. Bush, uh, talk about the credible United Nations? Why did he have to say the word credible in his speech? Why didn't he just say the United Nations? Because even back then, he was still trying to give them this legitimacy. And I'm going to be talking about that in this hour. In this case... I really want to reflect on this case, this particular case, um, for this hour because this is so mind blowing and really dictates a lot of what's going on now in our society and to something that happened in the mid nineties that I want to talk about. And wow, welcome to the Kate Daly show is all I can say. Uncle Milty is still ill. And so we're wishing him the best, praying for a speedy recovery for him. And, uh, he better get back here. <laughs> Uh, but I really, I really want to go over this. Uh, make sure you get to the website, katedallyradio.com, and uh, check out all the podcasts, all the information on the show. Also, uh, make sure that you're getting Balance of Nature. Uh, there's a reason. There's, a, there's an onslaught of activity going on to demonize uh, lots of things right now in our food supply, but also the fact that what they're not talking about is, is how many vegetables we're not getting. And this is a great supplement and a great way for you to supplement that diet for nutrition. You're going to have to take a supplement. And I think most people have not grasped that idea. You've got to take a supplement. I did my homework. This was by far the best one available. This is it. Balance of Nature. Please order up. You can put in the code Kate and get a great discount on this right now. You can save some dollars. And by the way, it's already affordable. So you win. It's a win-win for you. Make sure that you're taking the supplement. All right. I'm going to start out. I'm going, I don't want to waste any time because I want to get right to this. I'm going to introduce you to this story. If you haven't heard it, this is such an intriguing story. I've got to play this for you. This is the story of Michael New. And I want you to listen up because this has a lot to do with what's going on right now that we're not seeing and not talking about in America. And honestly, this is such a huge issue. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around this. And I want to tell you about this good man um, who suffered the price. When we talk about who does the heavy lifting in this country, this is somebody that paid the price uh, for liberty. And I want to uh, introduce you to this story. If you have not heard this, the story of Michael G. New. Here we go. Here's some going to roll some tape on this. Here we go. And the administration's approach to the exploding Michael New controversy is the same as it was in Douglas MacArthur's day. Answer none of the questions and get rid of the question. 
In early 1996, Michael New was forced out of the Army on a bad conduct discharge. The judge at the court-martial refused to hear evidence that proved Michael New was acting honorably, legally, and with a moral responsibility that must be exercised by every soldier. And so a model soldier was slapped with a ruthlessly unjust conviction that appears to be a warning to any who questioned the authority or the actions of the United Nations. Michael New will appeal his conviction in order to clear his name. In so doing, his case will force into public record startling information that has been hidden from the American people for almost half a century. Michael New grew up as an average, quiet, unassuming American boy. Missionary travels with a large family exposed him to foreign cultures that taught him appreciation for American culture. From his homeschooling curriculum, he apparently learned details of American history and government that seemed to have vanished from stateside classrooms. New joined the U.S. Army in 1993, three days before Bill Clinton began to change military policy and strategy. New stood out in several ways, but it was especially evident that he had a well-developed allegiance to uniquely American ideals. To New's superiors, both on and off the field, it was clear that Michael New held somewhat outdated views of duty, honor, and country. But these views made him a model soldier, and he was decorated for exemplary service. New's legal ordeal began shortly after Independence Day 1995, when he learned that his unit might be ordered to the Balkans, compelled to go as mercenaries, as UN personnel, in UN uniforms, under foreign command. New expressed his concerns about the legality of such orders and was at first ridiculed, then threatened to conform or face court-martial. When New appeared unfazed by the threat of court-martial, he was curtly advised to review U.S. constitutional law and the U.N. Charter. On September 21, 1995, New respectfully submitted his findings and position to his superiors in writing, asking them in turn for written explanations so he could review the unusual order and strive to obey it. The only justification provided by the Army was a verbal briefing by an army lawyer designed to address concerns of News' fellow soldiers. Immediately after the briefing, the commander gave the fateful order to Michael New and 550 others. The battalion formation, eight days later, would be in UN uniform. Our battalion was called in for an information briefing. Um, this is a briefing on the legal basis for deployment and uh, where the United Nations insignia um, I understand I was the only unit to have this before we deployed over there. That was probably doing part to me. But um, and during this briefing, he just gave a, uh, a broad overview of what uh, what the Army thought was a legal justification, including things like the president says so, therefore, therefore it is. Um, and when it came up to the question of why do we wear U United Nations insignia, his rather flippant answer was simply because they look fabulous. And I didn't think that was very funny. Because they look fabulous. A mocking and rather cruel answer to a young man facing court-martial, jail, 
a bad conduct discharge and a life-offering circumstance. With no written response from the Army, New began discussing the position with Kentucky Attorney Ron Ray, a former Marine Colonel and Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense. Ray assured New that his position carried the weight of law and that the Army's position seemed to rest not on the law, but was driven by raw political power, constitutional manipulation, and sheer intimidation. On October 10, Michael New faced a tremendous amount of intimidation. The UN had delivered the controversial blue uniforms to every soldier in Michael's unit, and all fell into formation as ordered by Commander-in-Chief Clinton. All except one. Army Specialist New reported for duty at 0900 in the battle dress uniform of the United States Army. I showed up about 10 minutes before the formation was to actually take place. And uh, I was the only one wearing a green uniform. And everybody looked at me funny, and my squad leader asked me if I knew what the uh, prescribed uniform was for that formation. Uh, and I told him yes, and he said, well, I'm going to give you another chance to put it on. And I told him, sorry, I'm not going to do this on. And he said, okay. And before he called everybody to attention, my squad leader called me out of ranks and, and took me back inside the building and uh, he took me to the captain who read me my rights. Uh, from there I was turned over back to my original captain and uh, he also read me my rights and from there I kind of went up on the, went up the chain of command to the colonel. Farther up the chain of command there was no small amount of confusion about what to do with Specialist New. He volunteered to be transferred quietly to another unit, but it was the Army's decision to make an example of New and to pursue a disciplinary bad conduct discharge. To keep the proceedings a matter of public record, New asked for public proceedings, knowing full well that he could go to prison and be forever forbidden from completing a promising military career. I would rather have a clear conscience and be in trouble or be being punished for it than to escape scot-free and, and, and feel guilty. Wow. His, uh, this was back in 1995. His mother then expressed how proud she was of him and how she didn't want him. She, you hate to see your kids suffer like he suffered, but she was so proud of him for standing by his ideals. And I'm sure we can all resonate with that. Absolutely. What would you have done in his shoes? Would you have put on that uniform? Do you remember when George, uh, Elder George Bush said in his speech, as he really started introducing the um, United Nat uh, Nations One World New Order, uh, New World Order, sorry, uh, mantra. Remember in his speech when he said... Uh, the rule of the uh, the jungle, you know, we're going to make sure that that doesn't exist. When he was talking about not showing up in formation, and then all of a sudden the higher-ups were saying, what are we going to do with this one soldier who won't obey? The law of the jungle that Bush was talking about was that. It was no individuality. You will do what you're asked to do. And even if it's at the core of who you are and the core of what you think America stands for, if the president says you have to do it, then you have to do it. 
And he was saying, I am not going to put on a United Nations uniform. I think there are a lot of you that would not put on a United Nations uniform. And what would they do? Uh, What did they do in this case? Um, I'm going to introduce you to some clips on this that are very thought-provoking, that go into a little bit of history, too, um, that are an absolute must-listen. Because this case now being 25 years old, I don't. I think it went under the radar a lot um, during that time. I think there were a lot of people that just didn't realize that this was happening. But I'll talk about what exactly Clinton signed. Uh, Clinton was uh, Bush's bestie, and most people don't realize that. He was supported by Bush. Bush loved Clinton. Clinton would do what Bush said. Be right back on The Kate Daly Show. Speaking with Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Now, Wasatch Medical has a breakthrough and scientifically proven treatment for erectile dysfunction. And what is so very interesting is this solution, listen up now, it does not require pills, injections, or surgery. And this takes care of your ED. Andrew, tell us all about this treatment, please. Well, it's called acoustic wave therapy. Now, it was FDA cleared, and it's clinically shown to increase blood flow. If you think about a guy struggling with erectile dysfunction, what does he need more of? Well, he needs more blood flow. It finally, with just a few short treatments, eliminates the need for a guy to take medication, deal with the pills, and it eliminates all of the nasty side effects. Now, some might say this sounds too good to be true. What kind of results are you seeing with these treatments now? We've treated thousands of men across the country with ED, and we have a very high success rate. It's interesting to note that it doesn't matter how old you are, what kind of health history you've had, prostate issues, or diabetes included. Okay, let's cut to the chase here. You have a special offer just for our listeners, right? We do. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction and sick of the medication, pick up the phone and call us right now. Those that do will be given an initial assessment, an exam, a blood flow ultrasound with our medical doctor, normally $300. We're going to do it totally free to those that call in now, and there's no obligation and no strings attached. Okay, you heard it, guys. Pick up that phone. Call right now for that free exam, 435-922-7000. That's 435-922-7000. One more time, 435-922-7000. Hey, what you doing there? Uh, Painting a sign to go outside my business. See, it says Dan does taxes. What do you think? I think Dan does taxes, not signs. (laughs) That's harsh. Well, that's hideous. If your sign isn't professional, no one will ever believe you are. Invest in a quality sign and attract positive attention. Help your business get noticed. Rainbow sign and banner for banners, signs, vehicle wraps, and service done fast. Done right. Rainbow sign and banner. Join Larry Bradley, therapist, lecturer, and published author every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on St. George News Radio for Leave It to Larry. Brought to you by Dixie Family Skills Center. It's all about learning how to live happy, demonstrating that happiness is within everyone's reach. If you're unhappy with your spouse, unemployment, or your children, if you don't handle stress well or struggle with being more negatively attuned, then come and learn. It'll change how you see everything and perhaps provide you for the first time in your life the power to live happy. Leave it to Larry. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. right here on St. George News Radio. 
Stuckey Family Pharmacy wants to be your partner in wellness. If you take several prescription supplements or over-the-counter medications every day, it can be a challenge. Minimize that stress by having all those pills pre-packed at Stuckey Family Pharmacy. Pre-packing provides several benefits. First, it's a free service. Having your prescriptions pre-packaged and delivered at no cost saves you time and stress. Plus, you never miss or forget a pill because they'll be pre-packaged not only by day, but by time of day. Pre-packaging is also convenient. You can get a month's worth of medications at one time, delivered right to your door. And because all of this is monitored by your pharmacist, you can rest assured that your medications and their doses are completely accurate and free from pill interactions. Ask about the free pre-packaging next time you stop by Stuckey Family Pharmacy. Stuckey Family Pharmacy, your partner in wellness. Off Telegraph near Coles or at StuckeyFamilyPharmacy.com. This is Morgan Gubler with Cash Valley Bank. I know banks can seem like they're all the same. A lot of them seem faceless to me, too. That's why I've spent my whole career where I've spent my whole life, where I can put a face to every name that I serve. I've known most of my clients here in Washington County for a long time, and I enjoy getting to know those I don't know already. If you want a loan for your business, I won't just give you a phone number to call or a website to visit. Meet me in my office, or I'll go to you. To me, banking is a relationship business. I build relationships with my clients and learn how their businesses operate so that I'll know how to help. I couldn't be prouder to be spending my career with Cash Valley Bank, offering all our clients quality customer service. Mountains away. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Maybe the bad, bad thing. Welcome back to the Daily Show. Sharing the uh, Michael G. New story with you because uh, Michael G. New, N-E-W, um, what a patriot. <laughs> what a patriot. Here he is in the, uh, uh, in the military. And this was, uh, he joined in 93. And that is a, that is just about the time that Clinton signed a new directive for the U.N. And uh, and he was uh, forced with the decision of whether or not to obey command by putting on a U.N. uniform. He did not want to wear a U.N. uniform because he is an American and he and he understood the Constitution, could not figure out why they were wanting him to do this and said he does not work for the U.N., well, this caused a huge court battle, a huge court battle, and uh, it's a pretty amazing story. In fact, uh, I just wanted to mention Clinton and Bush's friendship. Let me just say this. Um, they say that they forged a friendship as fierce competitors over the election that, of course, Clinton snagged over Bush. That isn't true. There are photos of him at the Bush compound um, years and years uh, before that even. But what's interesting is this note um, that Clinton said Bush would go as far as to suggest more than once that he might be the father that Clinton had always lacked, a notion that the younger man did not dispute. He looked at him as... Uh, a child uh, to him and as close as one of his own sons, Bush to Clinton. So Clinton was the obvious person that would take 
this U.N. directive that that Bush was so happy about and what Bush had tried to do in introducing us really to the new world order. It had been at play long before this, but that was kind of the public outing of it is when Bush, uh, George Bush got up and said, new world order, here it comes. And oh, by the way, we're going to get this to happen. You can't stop us. And then Clinton, of course, did a lot of things within his presidency right after Bush did on implementing the U.N. um, into our into our military um, by, by trumping the Constitution, if you will. In favor of this and so in favor of the U.N. for the U.N. purposes. And so they wanted uh, that this directive Michael G. knew was given in the military was you're going to go to the Balkans and you're going to wear this U.N. uniform. And he said, no, I want to play for you what his father said. Uh, This is Michael's father and his parents were so proud of him and what he was doing. But his father goes on to explain just a little bit. This is about a minute and a half. Uh, This is Michael uh, G. knew's father. Here you go. If. How do I feel about the fact that Michael is being uh, turned into a cause celeb for isolationism? And the question really surprised me. I had never thought of our position as being an isolationist position. And my reaction at the time was that, that um, and certainly now having thought about it a bit, is that we, we really don't feel like we're isolationists, but we believe in the sovereignty of our country. We believe that America is and ought to be a free country. And it seems very logical to me that if you can force the army of one country to serve under the authority of another country, then that first power, that first army, is not a free country. It's not a free army. It's a very simple thing to me. And we've taught this to our children, uh, looking at Rome, where the Roman government could force uh, other countries to provide legions and to provide uh, uh, soldiers for them, that uh, they were satellite nations. and. Uh, one of the implications in the uniform, the uniform change they've made, is that they've moved the United Nations patch from the left in mid-93 to the right shoulder. Now, that's the dominant patch. That's the patch that indicates the uh, the commanding force. And the unit patch is on the left. Well, the United States flag has been moved over to the left shoulder. And what that tells those who, who follow uniforms, it makes a very bold and blatant statement, is that the United States of America has become a unit in uh, the, the New World Army in the United Nations Army. And that's a, that's a tremendously uh, scary proposition when you stop and think about the implications of that, of that uniform change. Wow. That uniform change that happened in 93 under this, under this directive. So um, let, me, let me kind of explain this a little bit. With the collapse of the Soviet Union, okay, which was by design, which was by design, that did not just happen organically, Um, That was a coup, actually, um, with Yeltsin keeping him drunk while Russia was was looted by Soros. And, well, you know, um, Bush also was in on helping permit that to happen, by the way. I know. See, a lot of people don't know that about the Bush family. I wish people would wake up. Conservatives would wake up. Uh, They're just riveted with the Bushes. And I have no idea why, because there's just so much evidence against them. But um, but um, when the U.N. collapsed, there was a greater role at that point um, or the Soviet Union collapsed. There was this great role for the U.N. in world affairs. And this is when this began to emerge. And this was in the, you know, 
90-ish area. And President uh, Bill Clinton comes along in his campaign and during his early days in office, and he indicated that he was going to seek an increased role for the U.N. in maintaining international peace. There was a speech called The New Covenant for American Security delivered at Georgetown University in 1991 when he was still governor. Okay, he was already following the New World Order guidelines. Why do you think he became president? Um, So Bill Clinton was advocating the shifting of the burden of maintaining peace to a wider coalition of nations of which America will be a part. So we're only a part. We're not the we're not a sovereign nation in our military. And so explaining the possibility of establishing a U.N. rapid deployment force. And this is what he talked about in this speech as governor um, of Arkansas. But he gave the speech at Georgetown and it said that could be used this U.N. rapid deployment force that could be used for purposes beyond traditional peacekeeping. For purposes beyond traditional peacekeeping, such as standing guard at the borders of countries threatened by aggression, that means being the world police, but not necessarily always in a good way, um, preventing attacks on civilians. Now, that's good, except that that's not the role of, uh, that's not our role as a sovereign country. Providing humanitarian relief, again, not our role as a sovereign country um, to go over and, and implement humanitarian relief like that, and combating terrorism and drug trafficking of which we were profiting from. <laughs> um, so when he took office, President Clinton really acted pretty quick to promise a greater role for the UN. And uh, there was a policy of his administration dubbed assertive multilateralism and it was in apparent response to the secretary general at the time um, Bostros Ghali who proposal that member states under article 43 agreements with the UN and earmark forces for participation in UN peace operations and the Clinton administration made it known that they were going to explore the possibility of implementing that article 43 and There were actions that were considered as setting precedents for the future. Uh, President Clinton authorized several thousand U.S. uh, U.S. people to serve in Somalia under the auspices of the United Nations Operation in Somalia, UNOSOM. And then he also authorized U.S. troops to serve in uh, peacekeepers um, under the control of the U.N. again in Macedonia. And then President Clinton in Presidential Review Directive 13 also directed his administration to commence with the interagency policy study on the U.S.'s role in peacekeeping, um, which was the result of this. So that 1993, October 1993, that marked the beginning of the end for the hope of this expanded role of the U.N. command structures and peace operations and a team of, uh, well, we could go on and on. I could go on in more depth, but I want to play another clip. Um, and then uh, this clip is actually um, really talking about why he was doing what he was doing. Here you go. A lot of good men have, have bled in the same uniform for my country, and and I'm not willing to, to take it off now to fight for some foreign government uh, that doesn't have our ideals at heart. I, I think that's disrespectful to all the all the veterans and all the people who died fighting for America. News objection to his orders went far deeper than sentiment for the uniform or fear of prosecution for violating military regulations. Your questions were a solid question, and somebody should have answered your questions with specificity. 
Something in his upbringing suggested that it is wrong to surrender sovereignty at any time, but especially hazardous to surrender to a foreign power called dangerous by U.S. leaders on both left and right. Michael's superiors, seniors, who ask him to research this is his the defense Nations attorney charter, its history and objectives have given us an excellent opportunity to do in-depth research, to talk to people who've looked at this over 50 or 60 years since the United Nations was given birth. Remember first that Alger Hiss, an assistant secretary in the State Department, a very close advisor to President Roosevelt, in fact stood at his shoulder at Yalta when uh, Eastern Europe was essentially ceded to the authority of the Soviet Union and Stalin was the first acting Secretary General at the original organizational section session of the United Nations in 1945 in San Francisco. And there have been many other security risks like Alger Hiss who have been Americans involved with the United Nations. Let's look at it today as we consider whether our sons and daughters should go to Bosnia, who is the leading United Nations civilian undersecretary in the Balkans? An Iraqi diplomat, that is, an appointee of Saddam Hussein, named Ismat Katani. And Katani had, until recently, been in the inner circle of the Secretary General Boutros Boutros Ghali in New York. And he has been given temporary command over all United Nations operations in the Balkans, which I believe, and it's not been clarified, would include the able sentry deployment or prevent deployment that Michael News' former battalion, the 1st of the 15th Infantry Brigade, was making into Macedonia. So you have to ask yourself the question, we're putting on a foreign government's uniform a foreign government that has in the past been frequently hostile to American interests. If George Bush was correct that Saddam Hussein represented the same threat to the international security and peace and to the United States that Adolf Hitler did and was as much of a monster as Adolf Hitler was, Saddam Hussein's diplomat is the senior United Nations official, at least in an acting capacity, in the Balkans. UN military influence has been growing steadily since 1945, a growth that has been accomplished by one simple factor. The representatives of sovereign nations and their military personnel have willingly surrendered military decisions, military hardware, and military personnel to the UN and its dangerous rules of engagement. House Speaker Newt Gingrich has noted that the United Nations military force model is a total disaster. Gingrich went on to say that no military forces should be used in a constabulary role. It demoralizes and undermines the military, Gingrich observed. You cannot ask soldiers to train to be hostages. You cannot ask soldiers to drive around in white vehicles. You cannot ask soldiers to wear blue helmets because in that process they cease to be soldiers. The purpose of a military force is to impose your will by violence if necessary and by guile and stealth if possible. The purpose of the military is not to sit around and be a political tool to be manipulated by diplomats in totally unmilitary matters. 
Interesting part of that is that Newt didn't do anything to stop that. I'm not a big believer in Newt. I know a lot of people like Newt as a conservative. I don't. I don't trust him. And it was interesting that he was pointing out exactly what was going on, yet has never done anything about it, but really wanted to assert what was happening with the military now. And how and he was saying it was atrocious, but he was also calling a lot of attention to the new changes and saying this is our future without doing much. So about it. So kind of interesting. Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. Join Larry Bradley, therapist, lecturer, and published author every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on St. George News Radio for Leave It to Larry. Brought to you by Dixie Family Skills Center. It's all about learning how to live happy, demonstrating that happiness is within everyone's reach. If you're unhappy with your spouse, unemployment, or your children, if you don't handle stress well or struggle with being more negatively attuned, then come and learn. It'll change how you see everything and perhaps provide you for the first time in your life the power to live happy. Leave It to Larry. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. right here on St. George News Radio. You want your message to be seen. Uh, what you doing? Making our sign. Green markers <laughs> on an old cardboard box. Uh, I don't think that's going to work. So you try again. Look at this. How about this one? I don't think that's going to work either. Rainbow Sign and Banner. For banners, signs, vehicle wraps, and service done fast, done right. Rainbow Sign and Banner. Hi, Carl Lamar for Newbie Buick GMC, where right now they're celebrating their big trick-or-treat sale. No tricks at Newbie Buick? Uh Uh-uh, not at Newbie Buick GMC. Incredible savings on a 2020 Terrain SLE. Savings of over $6,000. 2019 Buick Encore. Savings of $7,949. You'll save over $5,000 on a 2020 Buick Envision. Over $11,000 on a 2019 GMC Acadia. It's going on right now, the big trick-or-treat sale at Newbie Buick GMC. How do you get there? Go south on Bluff Street, go over the freeway. You'll find them right there on the corner of Riverside Drive and Convention Center Drive. Remember, Newbie Buick GMC will not be undersold. In fact, they've got the lowest prices within hundreds of miles. Check out their website at NewbieBuickGMC.com and save money during the trick-or-treat sale going on right now at Newbie Buick GMC. We're speaking with Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Now, Wasatch Medical has a breakthrough and scientifically proven treatment for erectile dysfunction. And what is so very interesting is this solution, listen up now, it does not require pills, injections, or surgery. And this takes care of your ED. Andrew, tell us all about this treatment, please. Well, it's called acoustic wave therapy. Now, it was FDA cleared, and it's clinically shown to increase blood flow. If you think about a guy struggling with erectile dysfunction, what does he need more of? Well, he needs more blood flow. It finally, with just a few short treatments, eliminates the need for a guy to take medication, deal with the pills, and it eliminates all of the nasty side effects. Now, some might say this sounds too good to be true. What kind of results are you seeing with these treatments now? We've treated thousands of men across the country with ED, and we have a very high success rate. It's interesting to note that it doesn't matter how old you are, what kind of health history you've had, prostate issues, or diabetes included. Okay, let's cut to the chase here. You have a special offer just for our listeners, right? 
We do. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction and sick of the medication, pick up the phone and call us right now. Those that do will be given an initial assessment, an exam, a blood flow ultrasound with our medical doctor. Normally $300. We're going to do it totally free to those that call in now, and there's no obligation and no strings attached. Okay, you heard it, guys. Pick up that phone. Call right now for that free exam, 435-922-7000. That's 435-922-7000. One more time, 435-922-7000. Don't miss Financial Strategies, Saturday at noon on St. George News Radio, 1450 AM and 93.1 FM. Financial Strategies, hosted by Trevor Carlson, will introduce you to the products and professionals that will provide you with the best strategies and tools to live more abundantly. Tune in every Saturday at noon to Financial Strategies, right here on St. George News Radio, 1450 AM and 93.1 FM. Financial Strategies is brought to you by Heritage Reverse Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1497455. Hi, this is Kate Daly, and I love my sponsors. Copiers for Sale offers Southern Utah the best quality and pricing on printers, copiers, and plotters. They sell, lease, and service any equipment your business or home office needs. Copiersforsale.com, a local company and division of Steamroller Copies, is always asking, what do you want to print today? No matter your situation, Bank of Utah Home Loans can help with the right home loan for you. Call Brian and the Bank of Utah Home Loans team today. 435 435- 986-7221. Bank of Utah Home Loans, helping you grow no matter what stage of life you're in. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Hi, welcome back. Kate Daly Show. Uh, glad you're listening to this. Wow, what a story. And uh, this guy's such a patriot. This happened in the mid-90s. So the references you're hearing about Bosnia and everything else, Clinton, it's all in the mid-90s of what Clinton did. And uh, there was a reason that Clinton was handed the presidency um, right after uh, George Bush. They knew they had to switch parties. They do that every year, eight years. They let that happen, switching of parties, uh, to keep America not completely warring with each other. So everybody thinks they get their shot at the White House. I know it's called Team A, Team B, and they pick the team because everybody's furthering the agenda. And this has never been stopped, by the way. Um, the reason, if you're if you're catching this late, Michael uh, New was in the military, joined in 93, the same time a new directive, presidential directive was signed um, that would give the UN the ability to call the shots if they wanted to above and beyond our own military and use our military uh, as their own employees. And so... In 95, two years later, uh, Michael knew in the military and a very, very patriotic human being um, was uh, told to put on the blue uniform and go to the Balkans. And he said, I'm not wearing a blue uniform. I don't work for the United Nations. I live in a sovereign country. And so uh, I wanted to kind of give you this, too. Um, This is really, really sort of the interesting, um, also the interesting part of this, the distinction between command and operational control, because the presidential directive that was signed by Clinton, that was uh, May 3rd, 1994. It was called Presidential Decision Directive 25. And that was all about multilateral peace operations. It's never about peace. But that was signed, and what it did was it gave, uh, with regard to command and control of the U.S. forces participating in U.N. operations, Section V begins by emphatically declaring that the president retains and will never relinquish command authority over U.S. forces. However, 
The presidential directive that Clinton signed that's never really gone away, um, 25, states that the president on a case-by-case basis may authorize the placement of U.S. troops under the operational control of a competent U.N. commander for specific U.N. operations authorized by the Security Council, which basically trumps our our country, our sovereignty of of who we are uh, in calling the shots. The directive then states that if a U.N. operation is likely to involve a large role for U.S. forces or the prospect of combat, you know, involving U.S. forces, then the president would be less likely to authorize U.N. operational control over its U.S. forces and instead would insist on conducting any such operation under U.S. command and operational control uh, through regional organizations like NATO, right? Or the ad hoc uh, coalitions, such as the coalition formed to expel Iraqi forces from Kuwait in 91. And there's a lot about this because it was defining the terms command and operational control. The directive defines command as the authority to issue orders covering every aspect of military operations and administration. And it emphasizes that the U.S. commanders derive their authority from the Constitution, federal law, and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. This authority flows from the president to the lowest U.S. commander in the field and the chain of command from the president to the lowest U.S. commander in the field remains um, inviolate. So the directive goes on to, to defer operational control as a subset of command. And the directive states that operational control is the authority to assign tasks to U.S. forces already deployed by the president and then assign tasks to U.S. units led by U.S. officers. However, operational control does not include the authority to alter the composition of units, uh, discipline personnel, confer promotions, separate units, or to change the mission or deploy U.S. forces outside the area of responsibility agreed by the president. And so... um, you know, the no president's ever relinquished command over the U.S. forces, but this puts them in a very precarious situation. So let me play um, one more clip, this, this other clip for you um, and his, him, to, uh, Michael New, talking about what was going on as well. Here we go. Growing numbers of U.S. congressmen are frustrated that President Clinton is not responding to their demands to disclose information about his unmilitary intentions for Michael New and the armed forces. According to U.N. documents, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and U.S. law, the deployment to Macedonia required congressional approval. To avoid obtaining congressional approval, the White House either deliberately or accidentally misled Congress about the technical nature of the deployment. Colonel Ron Ray suggests that this illegal deployment to Macedonia may be an impeachable offense, which was preceded by a deliberate effort to deceive Congress. More than 40 U.S. congressmen have asked President Clinton to square his orders with the Constitution and military regulations. He is apparently as incapable of this as were Michael New's immediate superiors, who told the young soldier to figure it out for himself. When this whole thing started, when I first expressed my reservations about wearing this United Nations insignia and and accoutrements... This is back in 1995, by the way. When I expressed my reservations, they said, uh, I think you need to do a little more study on the United Nations, uh, their history and objectives, and, and see what they actually are, because uh, we don't think they're a foreign power or a foreign government like you say they are. So I did some study, uh, and my study tends to indicate that they are a foreign power and a foreign government, although they don't have a landmass per se. They still have all the elements that a, that a government needs to have. They have a ruler, 
uh, in a governing body, the Secretary General, General Assembly, Security Council. Uh, they have a treasury and a banking system. They have courts and a legal system. They have an array of bureaucratic agencies. They have a flag, an oath of allegiance, a charter. They don't have a tax yet, but that, that is in the workings. They're, they're proposing a global tax. And the last thing that they're missing is a military force. And that's what they're trying to make me. News independent research also revealed other disturbing goals of the United Nations, described in its charter in chapters 5 and 7, which speak in hopeful terms about the day when the military force of the international order will be so strong that no single nation can challenge or resist its will or its peace enforcers. The oath of the UN requires that UN bureaucratic officials swear allegiance to a one world government and must reject the sovereign claims and all the interests of their own nation and obey no laws except those of the United Nations. Michael New swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and to obey the orders of his American superiors according to the regulations and the uniform code of military justice. It is this phrase in the oath that reminds all officers and politicians that they can order only what is permitted by law. This phrase keeps America a government of laws, not of men. Why is it that all army communication excludes this phrase when discussing the oath taken by Michael New? Are the armed forces planning to recruit and keep only men and women who blindly obey every order? They used to, they used to, teach, um, they used to teach the Constitution in the Army uh, back during all the way up to the 30s, I think. And nowadays they don't, they don't teach you that in basic training or AIT. Uh, if they do, it's very brief. You don't do any in-depth studies. You know, we just basically cover the uh, laws of land warfare and uh, that type of thing. But I think so, soldiers should be better ed educated about uh, their own government. If you read the 1990 edition of the Army's Military Leadership Manual, it's clear that the Army at least used to teach and adhere to the same kind of things that Daniel and Suzanne knew adhered to in the upbringing of their son. Article 92, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, says that soldiers are under a duty to obey lawful orders of the seniors appointed over them. The heart of this issue will be whether or not the order given was a legal order. Article 92 also says that patently illegal orders are not to be obeyed. Now, obviously, this is measured under time and circumstances. And in the heat of combat, you certainly don't want to have soldiers questioning the orders of the seniors appointed over them. But the principle that comes down through military law that was really codified in the Nuremberg trials is that soldiers have a duty to disobey illegal orders. In other words, it is no defense later on if you're prosecuted for a war crime or other crime. You may not defend yourself successfully by saying, I was ordered by senior officers 
to do what I did. What we have here is a young man who has stood on principle, not for personal gain, against a nebulous and amorphous policy which the Army is incapable of explaining uh, three or four months after it has been challenged. The specialist knew is a young man who uh, is refreshing in as much as he stands on principle. He believes something and he's willing to take a stand for it. And, and I must stress that this is not a, a soldier who's trying to avoid sleeping in the rain and rolling in the mud and being tired and hungry, doesn't want to deploy. To the contrary, he wants to deploy, but he wants to do it as an American, uh, not as a United Nations uh, minion for Boutros Boutros Ghali. Wow. Let me play this for you. This is about a minute and a half. Here we go. Here they come. Mr. Gray will uh, make a statement. There you go. Good. The order that was given to Specialist New during early October 1995 is an illegal order. And uh, historically, there's never been a court martial of an American soldier who expressed his reluctance to wear the uniform of a foreign government. News attorneys had few resources, but in the days preceding the trial, they accumulated a mountain of historic, legal, army, constitutional, congressional, and United Nations evidence that proved Michael New had been right in his hesitancy to obey an order that was dangerously illegal. When the army admitted that the UN uniform was unauthorized by Congress, it was clear that New had not disobeyed a lawful order. What then shocked many observers was the judge's sudden and unprecedented ruling that none of the evidence of the illegality of the order could be presented at the trial. Furthermore, the judge instructed the military jury that they could not entertain the idea that the order was illegal. Thus, Michael New was disgraced with a conviction of bad conduct. According to the Washington Times, the conviction is a stain that will stick with him long after he leaves the Army, hurting his chances for employment and locking him out of veterans' benefits. Most importantly to New, it grossly misrepresents his record of uncommon good conduct. Wow. Um, I just want to add that this went on for 12 years. It went on until 2007. Supreme Court denying hearing the case. Can you imagine denying hearing the case on this? <laughs> At the very, very root of our sovereignty and who we are and who, what, our, what our military is supposed to be about and the trumping of our, of our military back in, in, the, in the 90s, they would not do it uh, back in 2007. So this went on for years and years and years. He was tied up in this battle trying to redeem his good name. And in March of 2007, his legal team uh, filed a brief with the Supreme Court. They reviewed it, but not on the merits of the case. Only the legal standard of, of review was applied to it. They were told that the Supreme Court would not hear the case. And then, and then so that was 12 years, and then go to uh, January clear till 2013, okay? Um, six years later, uh, basically, his team filed, Michael's team filed petition for writ, for this writ, and and then, finally, uh, in December of 2015, the petition to upgrade discharge from bad conduct to honorable. All those years later. All those years later. Is that pathetic? It's pathetic. So pathetic. 
I um, I draw a lot of attention to this because they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. If you do not follow an order, you're going to be held up on charges. Um, if a crime is committed, you, being told to follow through with an order won't help you. <laughs> so what are what kind of position is our military in? And when these directives came about, what's so sad is that we didn't realize what we were doing with the U.N., did we? Not only was Clinton selling secrets to China, not only were all this stuff was going on, we had the whole um, just usurping of the Constitution. And um, um, it was just it was sickening what was happening. And Bush is the one that really highlighted the publicity of the New World Order to make it seem like we all wanted it and liked it. And then um, Clinton and all the presidents since then have been instruments of this same type of attack on the Constitution. In fact, Trump is the only one I've heard that actually comes out and and scrutinizes the U.N. and scrutinizes all of this. Thank heavens for at least the scrutiny. Um, the other ones are just hook, line, and sinker, all for it. Sickening, sickening. It's the Michael New case. And uh, appreciate you listening in. It's really scary, actually. Very, very scary. Uh, be right back. I'll be right back. Special guest and uh, lots to think about, isn't it? What would you do in his circumstance? What would you have done? Would you have fought that long? Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. 